0: You're listening to the AID Network.
1: Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Disneyland for Designers. Today's episode and all episodes on the AID.network are brought to you by members of the Circle of Trust. Sign up today at AID.network where you hear the complete version of all episodes and gain access to our complete archives. Today we've got over 25 more minutes of content coming to you where we talk about the designer's perspective of the newly announced details of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Black Spire Outpost. To hear all of today's show and all shows, visit us at AID.network or check us out over on YouTube.com slash Adventures and Design. Plenty of Disneyland videos over there, and always looking at the park from the perspective of the design, and more importantly, how they design the magic. Hey, Jared. Hey, Mark. Before we get started with today's episode... Would you be at the Disneyland Resort at
0: all in the month of April? You know, it seems like I'm here all the time, and I wish that were the case. I will be back at uh, Disneyland Resort April 6th and 7th uh, at Wonderground Gallery. Uh, what for? Uh, for a, uh, another signing. Sign oh. autographs, talk with people. Yeah. Maybe
1: showing up at the Food and Wine Festival? Possibly there, too. Yes, 3 to 5 at DCA. Well, I'm here to tell everybody that I will be back at the park for the May the 4th release of Star Wars Land. And if you comment below wherever you're listening today, we're giving out two tickets to the grand (laughs) opening. So make sure you show up on May the 4th and tell them that I sent you. Because it's 100% going to happen. (laughs) That was all a lie. Do not listen to that part of the show. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on Earth and all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design. And you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Hello, citizens of Disneyland. Welcome back to the third episode of Disneyland for Designers, where myself and my friend Jared take a deep dive on the magic, how it's designed, how Disneyland makes us feel emotions, how it brings families and friends together, and how when we go through the gate, we leave our problems behind for a day as we allow the magic to take us away to the place where we want to be with the people that we want to be with. The most. On today's episode, we're going to take you on a walk through the trailways, the secret paths, finding and discovering all of the quiet places that are left at the Disneyland Park. The areas where you escape away, get away from the crowds, and sit back and enjoy the sounds, the smells, the ambiance of one of the world's greatest design parks. These are the spots where you sit back, enjoy a conversation, or just simply relax and let it all soak in. And while we're sitting here, today Jared and I will reminisce about the days when we first got hired to work for the Wonderground Gallery and what it meant to us to take on Disneyland as one of our clients. Listen along as you'll learn dreams do come true in this place full of magic And happiness. And let me thank you for joining us for another trip around Walt's original Magic Kingdom. Even though Jared Maruyama and Mark Bricky have both worked for the Disney Corporation, this is a fan podcast that in no way is associated with the Disney brand, Disney family, or the Disney parks. It is made with love by two fans. Jared. Yes, sir. Here we are. For most folks... It's been a long work week.
0: It has. It's Friday
1: evening. (laughs) And Friday evening to me, Friday evening to me is like the perfect date night or plan night. You know, like you work all week, you're you're kind of still tired, but you got that little bit of a weekend rush. Right. And to me, it's like, if I don't have plans Friday night, I get sad. (laughs) Sunday's perfect to wind it on down. Sure. Saturday is a quiet weekend at home. But if I don't have something to do Friday night, it's literally like no dessert. (laughs) And so, for you and I to be able to hang out—that's right—record a podcast, and the perfect ending to a week is sweet, sweet Disneyland Resort. (laughs) And what a week! What a week! To this week, then, (laughs) recording was a wild week of press releases. Indeed, maybe too much data fell on us from the Star Wars on purpose. Mm. I mean. You know, I hate to tie politics into Disneyland, but it's almost like sometimes you see people like, we're going to give a whole bunch of stuff to divert you from something else. What's the diversion? (laughs) Why did they throw so much Disneyland, so much Star Wars, so much content at once? Like last week was a dead quiet news week. Mm -hmm. This week it rained on us. I mean, it literally rained on us. So coming up later in the show, we're going to kind of look at what we now know about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And I have some working theories on the design of it and how a lot of what people complain about the park, they actually did a sleight of hand on us and they're giving people like there's this complaint, right? Everything going to be properties. Does everything have to be property related? Mm -hmm. I'm going to share with you some of my theories. And maybe make you see Star Wars land from a completely different perspective. Because I had a awakening. Uh, As alcoholics say, I had a moment of clarity Hmm. where I was able to see the whole thing in front of me. go, oh, wait a minute. It was there the whole time. It was in front of us the whole time. Disney did it again. (laughs) You know when they show us the concept art? Right. There's like hidden things in there. And then later you go back and look at the concept art and go... It was in front of us the whole time. Right, exactly. The whole time. That's their magic. That is their magic. So we're going to talk about that later in the show. But first, this is where I I would love to start with today's episode. There's this thing that we've been told about called Project Stardust. You take star, the first word from Star Wars. You take dust as in pixie dust, and they've been going around the Disneyland Resort for the last 18 months widening walkways, mm-hmm. removing trees, removing planters, even dare I say removing shops? Mm. Wow. That's when you know Disney's getting serious. serious. <laughs> <laughs> removing shops, putting people off the beaten path, you know, opening up new places to eat, new new areas have opened up. And it's all about the idea of widening the Mm berth so that we can handle the influx of people that are going to show up at some point this spring or summer for Disneyland's Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, thank goodness. And there are some
0: key spots i'm sure you know them all i'm sure you have a list of them all but yeah we've started to see some of the benefits of it already i think especially in uh Adventureland was one of the big spots what a that clog a change yeah um but it's exciting to kind of see what they do and
1: how quietly they do it and once again just you know walls go up here walls go up there mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they tell you, this is something we've been doing, and it all kind of makes sense. Right. And the funny thing is, is they officially released the name Project Stardust or Operation Stardust when the castle went behind walls. Mm-hmm. And I love that there's this thing at Disneyland. We can work on Adventureland. We can work on this walkway. We can work on the bridges that go over to Frontierland and Adventureland. We can work on anything. But the moment we put the castle behind scrims, we have to explain to the guests where the castle went. And <laughs> yes, I love that it exactly. was, this has been going on for over a year. <laughs> but the moment they touch the castle, I'm like we need to tell the people what's
0: sure, going on. Sure, sure. People come just to see the castle, I'm sure. So it must be kind of rough for, for people that have made a special trip or this is their one trip in so many years right. to not see that thing.
1: I'm sure every day there's somebody that's uninformed that goes through the berm, comes around the corner, and they go... My Lord, I thought my children were going to get to see the castle. (laughs) They're four and six, and we've been telling them that there's a castle, and now it's just a photograph of a castle. But what I wanted to talk about today, going back to our last two episodes, and thank you everybody who's found us and listened, Mm -hmm. last time we went sort of medium focus, looking at one attraction, Snow White's Scary Adventures, um, which got me going even further down the rabbit hole Mm -hmm. over my YouTube channel of okay, what did the first ride look like? I actually went back and found photos and like recreated the map of how it worked. And then I also looked at the influence of Snow White and how the movie premiere Mm -hmm. and the Dwarfland installation Uh. got the wheels turning on maybe we should do some sort of real-life entertainment. And then before that, we looked at a land. We looked at Main Street, USA, uh, possibly the most perfect designed land of Waltz. So today I thought... What about you and I, literally right now with everybody at home, let's walk around Disneyland. Let's do a loop like you know I love to do. Mm -hmm. And let's look at the remaining quiet spots of Disneyland. So, folks, we're going to go through the gate. There's the flower Mickey. We're going always, I always go to the right. Mm -hmm. And now let's go down Main Street and let's hook a right. I showed you this space when we were hanging out late one night. I love at the end of Main Street... If you take a right, before you get over to, um, it's my favorite restaurant, I can never think of the name of it. Plaza Inn? Plaza Inn. Yes. That fried chicken? Yes. Is so world class. <laughs> my father, born and raised in Kentucky, whenever I take him to Disneyland and he now asks to go when he comes to visit me, yeah. he's like, we're going to get that fried chicken for dinner, right? <laughs> like, absolutely we are. So before you go to the Plaza Inn, there's a little road, and if, right in front of the corn dog stand, mm-hmm. if you hook a hard right. There is the first aid. There's the family center. And I know that people normally don't hang out there, hmm. but there's something about that area that's just quiet. It's subtle. They just redid the facade of those two buildings to make it look more Main Street USA. And I absolutely love that little corner of the park. It is.
0: It's fantastic. And there's, is there a restroom sort of in that general area? I believe there, right? so, yeah. Yeah. And then there's also the, when they open up that side, you know, what do they call those, those hallways that get you past Main Street on the backside, you've got that there. And that's only open certain times during uh, certain events and stuff. But that little corner, it's like a little park
1: almost, it right? Really- yeah, the end of Main Street. I think what changes it too is that those um those buildings have like a front yard. Mm-hmm. They're recessed. They have a front yard. They have a little fence around the grass so people don't destroy it. And it really just kind of sets up more of that villagey feel of Disneyland that I I just absolutely love. The idea. Let's make it feel like its own little city, and I feel like when you get around that that turn there. You can still see Main Street. You can see the Plaza Inn, and it's you're fully like engulfed in mm-hmm. everything around you, and it loses a couple of points because there's like a service entrance for that right emergency walkway, and there's also a service entrance where cast members go, um, you know, go backstage. Uh-huh. So there's a little bit of a facade breakaway. I mean, hey, if anybody's listening. Let's make those gates look like walls. <laughs> let's make it look like, well, let's just open up this building and go in. Right. But I will, uh, I'll let them save the budget for something else. I know they're, they're operating on a budget. But that area, because it's all around you, it just feels really real back there. So that's one of my little quiet spots that I like to dip into. And people are like, "Where's this guy going?"
0: <laughs> but I—that's—that's that's
1: me, man. When I hit the park, and it's right there by the corn dog
0: cart, like you mentioned, and they did put tables sort of back behind the corn dog cart, separate from Plaza Inn for mm-hmm. for people that are just getting corn dogs, I guess. But it does make it sort of this usable area. It, it tends to get cut off, I think, because people are heading straight towards. A Space Mountain fast pass or something, right? They're they're trying to cut through to get to Tomorrowland as fast as they can. So um I think it gets overlooked a lot and then you really notice it when that's quieter or at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, and a lot of these spots have more power as the hours go on. And you mm-hmm. know I'm a shut it down guy. The Absolutely. rule is don't show up if you're not gonna shut down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that a lot of people, because once you get to the end of Main Street, you're it's head down. You're either going to Plaza Inn or you're making that cut to the right to go into Tomorrowland. And I think this little area, often overlooked, Mm -hmm. most people don't go that way. And one of the first things I did when I moved here was one day I went to the park and my goal was I want to walk the outer perimeter. Mm. So I just kept my eyes on the outermost perimeter and wherever that took me, I went. Hmm. That's interesting. So now I'm trying to picture. Did it get dodgy somewhere or like there was backtracking. Yeah. <laughs> there was going to a point where they're like, Where are you going, sir? But I just followed the outer perimeter because I wanted to know what that edge was. Right. I wanted to go around and discover the entire edge of the park. Interesting. And it was a lot different when before Galaxy's Edge came in, mm-hmm. there was the ranch over there. Right, it, You know, it went into some different areas. That's right. So you went into that back area by the restaurant and I, I the went, stage was still there, I believe. I went purposely in the middle of the day yeah. when I knew everything would be open so I could follow that outer edge. I wanted to just see literally the outer edge. So cruised into Toontown, did the whole the whole way around. So a lot of these little pot spots mm-hmm. come from literally one day being like, I'm walking the outer edge so when i would come up to a building I'm like well that's an island right so the rule of a maze is you leave the edge you go around the island and then you come back to your edge oh so i literally walked the outer circumference of everything at the park one day interesting yeah. okay
0: that's who's, a that's a whole wormhole of who's the a psychopath <laughs> I, it. I like it
1: so let's leave this little area on main street usa okay let's go back out towards the hub and let's go to an often sort of Overlooked area, which is where you can meet meet and greet Tinkerbell and the other Pixies. Mm. Now, this area is really interesting because sometimes people see it as a cut through. Right. But then you can't always get through it because sometimes they close down the little, you know, three and a half foot fence Mm -hmm. or the little three foot gate that keeps you from going into the Pixie Hollow. Right. So this area, it's hidden. Probably if you look at it from above, it's a bigger footprint than what you would imagine, Yeah, but it's sitting in there, and I don't know this. I didn't research this, but I'm doing this off the top of my head. Is this where the home of tomorrow sit at one point? Yes, yes. How do you feel about losing that for this? Well, that was
0: dated and it, it, that one suffered from Tomorrowland problems, right? It, it's no longer right. viable or it would be something they'd have to maintain uh, and sponsored by Monsanto, uh, a relic. <laughs> so I was fine with that. I, I'm i fine with the meet and greet. I'm fine with Pixie Hollow. I don't like the way that thing is situated there mm. because it takes up a very visible section of the park, a mm-hmm. transitional spot. And it just sort of makes a wall there with all of that sort of, uh, you know, the overgrown leaves to give it that that sort of size aspect um so mm, i'm fine with it and in theory I, mm-hmm. I don't like the way it looks there though and it kind of really blocks that space
1: it is a an interesting sort of bottleneck yes and when people are trying to cut over because of the fountains that they have mm-hmm. out there it gets a little bit of confusing which way you go right now at nighttime. When it's lit up properly and the fountains are working yes. properly, it's really, really beautiful. It is. It is. And I think that's why I want to
0: see that area featured more. I wish they made it so maybe you can view the, the meet and greet from mm-hmm. from standing by the fountains. Because it just looks like a wall of darkness uh, right now otherwise. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think it feels like something that was temporary yeah. and stuck around longer than they had anticipated.
1: It does have that feeling because I feel like if it was a more longer plan, they might have done a little they would have done that you know the sort of the foliage right and then maybe a forced perspective mm-hmm. building out the back of it so it had sort of that that promise but it's also it's a gradient space because yeah. design-wise you have fantasy land and then you have tomorrow land so how do you marry the two so maybe a hidden structure is the way where it just sort of goes vegetation into Tomorrowland, right?
0: Yeah, no. I mean, it's a tricky spot, and, and I imagine that's going to go away at some point. That I, something else will go there, or something will get extended from the other side. Um, but I, I can't imagine that that's sticking around. It feels like that's not even always populated with the characters, or that it's a much rarer thing now to, to catch those there because that Buzz Lightyear cue goes deep back into there, but not you know it doesn't cut all the way through. So yeah, it's a little bit
1: tricky, but still pretty, very pretty in the front. It's interesting to think about design and and you know the realistic nature of the disneyland and its um limitation of space right that's a really valuable piece of real yes. estate if you take that area and if you put you know buzz up on the chopping block mm-hmm. and the people mover stuff that's going through there all of a sudden you got enough land where you can make make a play with mm-hmm. so i'm you know i'm in incredibly fascinated with the Eastern side of the park and what the future of it is. (laughs) This is a part of that. I will say this. I don't have kids, but some of my favorite memories of the park are coming with my, my niece. Uh And when she was four years old, we took her to Disneyland for the first time. She lives in New York, flew to California in Mm. her mind. She thinks at this moment in her life, she thought California was above the clouds. Right. She just thought that's where aunt Beth and uncle Mark live. (laughs) So we take her there and like most little girls, she's way into the princess line Mm -hmm. and her favorite is Tinkerbell. So we took her to the meeting greet. She got to meet Tinkerbell and when she met her, she was literally in awe. Yeah. Could not get one word, one syllable out of her mouth. (laughs) Just stared at her like a complete creep. Yeah. Stared at her. Little weirdo. Little weirdo. Complete little weirdo. (laughs) When her moment with um Tinker Bell was done, they say, Okay, you gotta move along. And so we walked, you know, past that and then you go to the left, you go to where the little the, the walkway ends. She stood at the gate, paralyzed, and watched three more meet and greets oh, with other children. And so she sweet. had this look on her face, like, there she is. <laughs> she's real. Like she's real. And she's right there.
0: Yeah. And
1: we were, and, and they were like, Let's get her, let's get her. I'm like, let her enjoy it. Right. So we yeah. kinda hung out and just let her lurk. And the cast members, they were really cute. They saw what she was doing. They're like, if you want to stand over here, you can mm-hmm. get her. And they let her lurk. And because they knew that she was the girl that was paralyzed, that couldn't say a word. And she just was like staring at her, just like, I can't believe she's right there.
0: Yeah. Not as cute when I do it for some reason. No. Yeah. They no. make me move on. But so it's it's interesting to me with that because it, those characters are for the kids for the most part. Right. Sure. And they, they, they're the ones that get taken by it. Did she talk about it afterwards? Did she say like so that was Tinkerbell the size thing didn't <laughs> the
1: her. only her only sort of like logic yeah in looking at Disneyland and the thing that didn't seem to make sense to her mm-hmm. is we took her to California Adventure for the princess breakfast yeah that they do uh which used to be the Ariel's Grotto mm-hmm. restaurant so we, we took her there and, you know, they write the kid's name down. Yeah. So every princess comes up and goes, Tegan, yeah. we're so excited that you came from New York to see us. You know, they they know their story. Right. So the kid's mind is blown. Well, then the headliner is Minnie Mouse dressed like a princess. Hmm. Well, every, you know, Aurora and Cinderella and Snow White, they all talk to her. Ah. Well, then Minnie comes up and Minnie can't talk. Right, <laughs> She goes... She had, a, she had a little bit of a slur at that age. She goes, "I get to meet all the princesses, and Minnie Mouse couldn't say anything to me because her head's made of wood." <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Head was made of wood. That's magic. That was the only thing that didn't really like soak into her. Interesting. You know, like, oh, that that part feels weird. Yeah, but man, oh man. So, you know, when I look <laughs> at the that that pixie area. Having had that experience, mm-hmm. I realized the value of sure. That. You know, not everything's for me, but it is for somebody. Let's let's move past that. Then. Okay, let's cruise. Let's let's hook over next to Matterhorn. Okay, let's keep the castle to our left, Matterhorn to our right. Let's let's go past the new queue yes. to Matterhorn, and let's just well, maybe we could stop at this little area that's cut in where we can overlook the lagoon. Mm. But it's not really an area worthy of mention. So let's keep going. Let's we, 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 we could talk about this little picnic table area. Yeah. But Autotopia is loud, and so is Matterhorn. <laughs> so let's go a little bit further until we reach this quiet area. Let's hook it right. Let's go around the new Matterhorn Fast Passes. Let's go out and sit under the awning. With the water on the left and right, mm-hmm. maybe we'll hear a little eh, eh. <laughs> as the monorail passes. Let's sit on the old motorboat cruise dock. Ah. Great spot. Now my notes are wrong because I said this closed in 1933, and that would be well, statistically would be... <laughs> impossible. <laughs> it just feels like that. Closed in nineteen ninety-three. It is now known as the Fantasia Garden. Mm. That dock that yeah. sits out on the water one of the best quiet places left in Disneyland. Mm -hmm. It is. And it still feels like you're kind of
0: in it, but like such a great people watching spot because you're, you're removed. And I think that used to be a smoking section. I don't, I don't think it is anymore. It's
1: where I vape. Yeah. (laughs) I got Darth Vapor. My favorite Disneyland blend. And I just sit out there and blow Darth Vapor around everybody. It won't hurt the kids. Don't worry about it. I think that it used to be, and thank God that it's not. Yeah, Because sitting there in Fantasia Garden, this is the real beauty of that spot. Mm. You're far enough away from everything where it's ambient sound. Yeah, You get a little bit of the monorail coming by, which is really cool because you're sitting right there. And and you can get a great photo of the monorail reflecting down on the water. During the holidays, it's great because you can just sit back and look at the glow of It's a Small World Mm -hmm. with its Christmas decorations on it. That's going to be a whole—we have to do an episode about the Christmas decorations at Disneyland. Put it in the notes. (laughs) But sitting there, and you know— This might be a good place for an out-of-towner to recharge their batteries for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Don't go back to the hotel. Yeah. Don't give up on the magic. You can kind of hide there. Yeah. Just go there and hide. Get a bevy. Maybe take off your shoes and lay them underneath the the, the table that you're sitting at (laughs) so nobody knows you're barefoot at Disneyland. Gross. (laughs) But just like recharge there. Yeah. Let the baby take a nap in the stroller there give up on the magic
0: yeah no absolutely not and it's interesting there because it feels like and i don't really know this for a fact but it feels like it hasn't been touched since whatever it used to be like there's a kind of an old school feel to it there is yeah um and they haven't turned it into anything else it seems like it's an area that will probably eventually will lose but for right now it is this very cool sort of anomaly in that sort of busy section of the park
1: when I did, um over my YouTube video, and you can find me at youtube.com slash Adventures in Design, I did a video about the rumor of the Sleeping Beauty dark ride coming to Anaheim. Mm. And my idea was that that, if they're going to expand Fantasyland, yeah. the perfect place to put that would be the Autotopio plot. Mm. And... um I sort of did some very lazy renderings of how seeing a little bit more castle when you're standing in front of Matterhorn uh-huh. or over by the lagoon at Tomorrowland or at It's a Small World would be nice. And uh, people commented below that that motor, um, the motorboat cruise dock, would be the perfect bridge to walk right into. Uh, the Beast's Castle. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. And yeah. it would fit really well there. If you think right, about something right. like that would fit really well there. And, you know, opposite of Matterhorn Mountain, do a little rock work behind the castle mm-hmm. to sort of hide the, the showroom. Uh, that could be a really, really strong... Expansion of Fantasyland. Would we lose uh, Small World Arcade there? You think, or would we keep that as no? Part of Small World? I, I think that that can stay and needs to stay because of parade routing. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like, what if you are at Small World and you looked over the perfectly trimmed bushes, in, in in the mall area there, and you just saw, you know, off to the distance, a little, little more plantation, a little bit more vegetation, as well as the the tip of uh, of a castle and some rock work. Right. It keep it going. Yep. Absolutely. I mean,
0: it's due for something. It won't sit there for long, it seems like. So something's got to go there.
1: But while it is there, I would recommend enjoying it and stopping by because it's such a great area of the park. It's it's quiet. It's relaxing. And if you're a local, that's a really great place. Like, you know, kind of tired. Yeah. And I just want I want to just go get a snack and sit in the ambiance. It's one of the best spots that I can recommend to do that. Grab a turkey leg and a chimichanga or whatever they have right there. At- Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> And, you know, you and I have hung out there before yep. and just talked Disneyland and art and careers. And there's something about when you have the AP and you don't have that TikTok of one hundred and twenty dollars that you just spent to try to get it all in on mm-hmm. a day before you fly back to wherever you live. There's something about just sitting in the ambiance of the park and just letting it be around you while you just live your life. I love when it feels like a real park. And I'll say that a thousand times. Absolutely. That's passholder privilege. Absolutely. Uh, let's. Let's walk out of there, though. Okay. And let's do what you said. Let's let's leave there. Let's hook a hard right, and let's go up and take the higher route and walk around the Small World Mall. Okay. That raised area where there's are steps. Now, this is kind of an interesting part of the park. Mm-hmm. It's raised up. There's a couple of big Mary Blair facade, you know, things in the the, the sky. One that does the projection, or I mean. Makes a surprise happen at the holidays <laughs> on the facade of It's a Small World. But that little mall area, that raised area, once again, it's a great place to see uh, the parades when they go by. Yeah. It's a great place to stand during the fireworks. But you can lean on the rail and the dock is just off to the distance there. It's just sort of a nice off-the-beaten path. You want to get away from the crowds hangout area. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's it's.
0: I love that small world takes up so much real estate because it really does come all the way out there to Alice and to Matterhorn. Uh, that just that whole walkway is decorated with the small world motif to to take you right up to there. And then we do have other things in the back that aren't even hinted at, or like Toontown's basically hidden behind there. Um, but that whole area again, it's some valuable real estate that I can't believe has stuck around for as long as it has.
1: I think that the mall area where you and I are standing right now, that yeah. raised area. I think that that's completely safe mm. because it's such – if they keep the water, you know, if they keep the right. – the it's not the lagoon. I don't know what the official name of that body of water is behind us. But if that water stays for whatever gets built, and I believe that it will because the EPA regulations on mm. putting new bodies of water in Disneyland are pretty strict. Right. So I think all the water that we have probably grandfathered in and it stays. So assuming that that water is a part of whatever comes – That's a sort of an awkward sliver. The only thing I could ever see them doing is maybe plussing it by a food cart and making it, you know, like if there was a mini food cart there and some seats laid out, it might be a place Mm -hmm. to like snack or or do some casual dining. But I think because of the parade route, because of the fireworks and just because of overall safety concerns, I think that that area probably it's such an awkward slice of pizza that it just stays.
0: A small world restaurant. That would be interesting if they did like a seating over like outdoor seating for parades. And you know how they like to upsell everything that you get some prime seating for yeah. these things. That's a great spot. Uh, that'd be interesting. And that what just, if they I only serve served little food like little, sliders from international buffet of food? It'd be a great idea. Um, that section used to be for lining up the queue for mm-hmm. small for overflow during the holiday. Mm-hmm. They they went to great lengths to extend that queue to the I guess to the right of the the facade now. So it's completely gone from there now. So it, do you think that that signifies plans for that? Like something else? Maybe it won't change, but do you think they're going to start using it for something else?
1: I don't know. That's that's a good idea because there was a part of the um, project Stardust. Mm-hmm. Was getting some of these looser cues more defined. Right. So they could keep people tight to the attraction. You know, it's going to feel weird that we'll never see how long is it to ride Matterhorn? Well, I don't know. The line's going all the way around the mountain. Right. Uh, maybe we'll wait an hour. <laughs> so it's weird that now people there are in a switchback, you know, waiting to get into yeah. the ride. So a part of that idea was, like, let's keep people in a tight area because if Small World can eat 500 people up waiting in line, mm-hmm. then that keeps people flowing elsewhere. You know, these quiet spaces that we're visiting today, you know, it's interesting. Will these become a part of something bigger? Uh-huh. I don't know because they, re- they just redid that area. Yeah. They just went in and they redid that parade route. And so if there was a moment when they were going to probably eat this up, that moment has passed. Mm. So it's safe for the moment. Interesting. But maybe if they do something more grandiose, this becomes an observation area for that. You know, it's like when when you look at the history of Disneyland, mm-hmm. Walt went through painstakingly uh, an experience to make sure when it opened up June 7th. Is it June or July? Uh, July, I want to say. July 17, 1955. When it opened up, he went through all kinds of hoops to make sure that it was already stacked mm-hmm. with trees, flowers, and right. bushes. Like, it opened up pretty lush. And that was always an idea that it should feel like a park. Right. Amusement park. Not Six Flags, where it's like amusement's huge mm-hmm. and park is little. Like, amusement park, equal to each of those. And so I, I I do believe that the history and the ancestry of it is to keep that park atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So I feel like something like that is pretty safe just because, one, you need places for people to step out of the way. But, two, those observation areas are part of the magic of Disneyland. True. Yeah, that's true. I mean, for parades alone right there, right. it's pretty packed. But you could maybe make it a little – if you needed to maximize every square inch, I could see it working as a quick – food dining area
0: yeah or 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 sort of clearing a pathway along the back like they do on the opposite side where Mm -hmm. you can sort of take that back route around and get through to say like you know the other part of Fantasyland
1: to uh, to avoid the parade rush well let's do this let's head over to toontown okay now there's a couple of interesting areas about toontown Mm -hmm. i'm gonna do it in a loop so let's go underneath the railroad right disneyland railroad and and let's let's pop up for a second Toontown closes early because of fireworks, Mm -hmm. but when it's open, if you hook a far right and you go over to Roger Rabbit, generally that area around the fountain has no people anywhere. Right, right. That's That's a quiet spot all into itself. You can sit next to the fountain, you can hang out there. But now let's hook around, which is the maze of the Laugh Factory and Mm -hmm. all those props. Normally, a pretty quiet area as well. Mm -hmm. Toontown, even though it's for the kids, is normally pretty light. In comparison to Fantasyland, which is always packed, it just never has really created that influx of people.
0: Right. Initially, yes. And then it died off, I think, fairly quickly. So that whole area is a pretty restful area, I think, in general. Especially if you were to have young kids and let them kind of run around a little bit more than you can in other parts of the park because it's so contained back there.
1: Um, And there's just more stuff to uh, hands-on stuff for them to do. Which is the reason why they have the little tune Park over there Mm -hmm. where parents can sit, kids can play. It's a safe area to just let kids be kids. Yeah, You know, after, like, sit in the stroller, wait in line, ride the attraction, don't touch this, don't do that. It's nice that there is an actual playground. You know, that and Tom Sawyer's Island are the two areas where you can let a kid just cut loose and be a kid. Right, that's true. Do you
0: think the... uh, So there's talk of the Mickey ride coming to Anaheim. (laughs) Uh, Is that going to, we've said that it's going to be back in Toontown, right? All
1: the rumors and all the things that make sense would say that the Laugh Factory, which is a really cute store. If you get a Mm -hmm. chance to pop in there, it's really designed excellent with with the uh, sort of the contraption up in the Mm -hmm. the ceiling. And you know, the rule to every Disneyland store is always look up. Yeah, That's where the storytelling takes place because people can't touch it. It would be believed that that would be the entryway into um, Mickey's Runa- Runaway Railroad. Mm-hmm. I've probably butchered the name a little bit. <laughs> but that if you look at Disneyland from above, which I do um, every night <laughs> from the spacecraft that I live in, when you look at it from above, there's a long, narrow area there, right, which is backstage. I believe it's maintenance where they paint things, where they work on things, where they get stuff ready for the park. That's being moved off-site that area is being cleared out, one would think that
0: that's what's going to go there. Mm-hmm. Do you think that would change? So something like that's going to be hugely popular no matter
1: what, maybe for a few years. That's going to bring people back. I would think that a ride with that two and a half D technology Yeah. where, and I'll explain this to you if you don't know what it is, you basically go into a room. The room around you can shift and change hmm. in the real world on a dime. Hmm. So, what is a big triangle that is shaped like a tree can spin around and turn into a cube or recess into the wall. Huh. But while the physical space is changing, so are the projections on it. Mm-hmm. So it literally gives you the possibility to make shapes change at a fast pace. While the projections on the shapes change at a fast pace,
0: so is that to create a sense of motion, or just to sort of change a scene and
1: to change a scene and, and a small create motion of space? Because the flip over is so fast that that's the magic trick. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you're not just standing in a room right. with four movie screens around you and things feel three dimensional and dare I say the three levels of storytelling, <laughs> of course, I feel like that is the type of thing where it can change. Yeah. yeah. You know, if that storyline gets a little bit old or they mm. expand, right. You know, the new animated Mickey and he has a movie out or a series out, that type of technology is, is open source to change with the times,
0: Right. Do a holiday version. Do exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So unlike, you know, pirates of the Caribbean where it's a lot of work to go in there and, and set dress it. Yeah. This type of thing could be reprogramming the walls, maybe a little bit of engineering, Putting in a new digital projection and voila, we have a new show. Yeah. The popularity of Mickey Mouse never goes away. Right. I think they were always afraid to make a movie about Mickey Mouse, afraid to make an attraction about Mickey Mouse. Because it's like we kind of all just love them because it's never been broken. Mm -hmm. You tinker with it. You can break it. So I think that that shows how confident they are about this ride system. So how do you feel about
0: it going back in Toontown? It makes sense. Makes complete sense. We I might, think it needs it. Yeah. Do you think that that would guarantee Toontown sticking around then for a few more whatever decades?
1: It would be wild for them to put in this attraction. Yeah. And then 10 years later say we need more room for Star Wars land. Right. And and rip it out. I I feel like they know that it's a problem area. But I feel like they know that families and young kids need this space. And let's think about it from a people flow. Yeah. There is not an easy way to get from Mickey's runaway train if Mm -hmm. it goes where we think it is. There's not a a fast way to get from there to anywhere else in the park. Right. It's a dead end. So if you've got 1,500 people, 2,000 people going in that direction, they're gone from the rest of society for a while. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Now, when you look at the the aerial view, I know we're getting a little off track here. No, we are (laughs) on track, baby. Do you see how Toontown would hook up with Star Wars land? Are they back to back at this point? They touch butts. They do. Okay.
1: And in fact, when they cut up that parcel of land, if you go to the right of the Millennium Falcon smugglers run. Yeah. I wish the names were shorter. um, (laughs) Yeah. There's an actual space in there that's called Future Expansion. Mm -hmm. So there's Mm -hmm. already a little bit built for Future Expansion. I don't know that the Fantasyland Theater stays forever. Yeah. So, and that kind of touches Future Expansion. Right. So there could be, that could end up being a showroom if needed. So that area is interesting, but I think putting a Mickey attraction in there keeps Toontown alive for a while. Yeah. I also think that swapping out Roger Rabbit for something else keeps it alive for a while. And I think getting rid of of what is it, Gidget's coaster? Gadgets, yeah.
0: The, it's a good coaster. It's actually a good Gidget's coaster. Is it a good coaster? It is. For what it is and for the you know the purpose it's there, I think it's pretty good. So needs it's not a little bad. theming. It's, it was that needs a little theming? It could it could use a lot more build themeing.
1: a little cartoon city around that and I'm all in. Yeah, I think of refresh
0: probably all over Toontown. To go to coincide maybe with that Mickey ride would be it would be perfect.
1: But we're not done. No. We've done Toon Park We've enjoyed it over there. And I'm going to give you another suggestion. As we spin around and we come back out on today's journey and we're going back underneath the Disneyland Railroad, let's, let's hook a right. And if it's late at night and they've already shut down the Toontown Station, which used to be the Fantasyland Depot, that's a quiet spot there. Mm-hmm. They don't do shows late at night in right. the amphitheater. Sometimes they shut down that train station, don't open it back up. Mm. There's no reason to go underneath the railroad bridge because Toontown's closed for the night. Right. That's a real quiet little area, and they keep that lit up. I sat there last Friday night for a good 15 minutes by myself. It's yeah, kind of listening to it all go in knowing that I was on a security camera and somebody's like, what's this guy in the leather jacket up to (laughs) him again? Yeah. There's a, there's a good actual
0: uh, food area there too. Like Mm -hmm. a little food bar actually serves some interesting stuff. Mm I think you get like a baked potato there and some different things that you, you don't get other parts of the park. There's a bathroom there. That's relatively quiet,
1: a bathroom for Kings and Queens. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Read that however you want it. But yes. Um, (laughs) It's a it's a good spot. It does get a little crowded, I think, at the height of daytime. When, yes. when that Fantasyland area in general goes a little crazy, uh, it can be very busy right there. But otherwise, like you said, at nighttime, it's a very nice spot.
1: Very quiet. Mm-hmm. And a little fun fact for you, that area there, you know, because when you're, when you're standing at the theater, on the other side of that would be, you know, the dark rides of Fantasyland. And that raised area, you know how it's the dirt is like super high right there yeah. where you used to be able to get on the sky buckets to go over to Tomorrowland? Right. The reason why that area is so high is that, you know, when they dug out for the rivers of America and for the, you know, for the lagoon, they just took that and they made the berm. They made the berm. They made Mm. the berm. Well, when they made the castle... They just kept digging and digging and digging, and if you think about that location next to the castle, right? They just kept dropping dirt there, dropping dirt there, dropping dirt there, till eventually, like we've actually made a full-on like hill, mm-hmm. and that's why that area is graded so high from digging out that area of uh Fantasyland. Interesting. So that's right there by Casey Junior. Mm-hmm. Okay, which yeah. makes. A really great natural barrier for not seeing, you know, that's basically the S-curve is the magic of Disneyland. Never send people down a straight path when you can make them curve around everything. So when you think about Casey Jr. and the storybook Land Boats, Mm -hmm. that right there, that just makes like a really nice internal berm yeah. so that the theater sits on the other side of it. There's really no way to see It's a Small World, which is very, very close to you Mm -hmm. on the other side of that. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting little pocket right there because they've kind of blocked it
0: off with carts now. Uh, It used to be like you could see the stairway that still went up to the old... Um, the old tower up there, and
1: they really recently just took that building down. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah the, the the area where you would get on the sky buckets, mm-hmm. which was before my time. Right. They just took that down the last couple of years ago. Yeah, and it was like this nice chalet style building. Yeah, yeah, just
0: it's kind of gorgeous. Kind of sad to see something like that go, but it doesn't make sense to keep it. And uh, access to that thing must have been just crazy. Like I'm sure they couldn't keep that in operation without doing a lot of adjusting for something like with that much stairs, but a beautiful section of the park that they're kind of hidden off. So we'll see what happens to that over time.
1: Let's leave. Let's keep walking, shall we? We shall. Now we're going to hook back around. When you leave this area, one of my favorite trailways of Disneyland is that walkway in the small world mall. Last time we were standing up high looking over the water, but this time we're going to go behind the bushes. We're going to go behind the food carts, Mm -hmm. although that popcorn does smell good. Pretzels, yeah. And you just walk along that wall there. There's a couple of areas where cast members can get into a little bit of an area they have actually inside the park. But when you walk along that wall that will eventually spit us out over by the storybook boats, Mm What a great little trailway.
0: I know, it seems to get overlooked. It's not as cra- it's never crowded. No. Like you can always use that as sort of an escape route. I think people are more focused on the parade if that's what's happening at that point. But uh, a great little spot to um, to I don't know that I've ever really stood there. I think we have taken like a break there especially during a parade. But uh yeah, usually very clear.
1: After our last podcast, you'd mm-hmm. be happy to know that I walked through there by myself last Friday night. Yeah. And what did I stumble across? But a group of Asian girls, I believe speaking Japanese, that were all in that trailway that were taking photos because there was nobody around and they were like getting super posed and getting all in the spots and they had like sort of the school girl matching outfit on. (laughs) And when I walk by, I'm like... It is so ironic that I'm bumping into this after just discussing this phenomenon early on in the show. (laughs) Had I spoke the language, I would have loved to be like, do you want me to take a photo of all four of you at once? Yeah, they probably would have taken a picture with you. Who knows? Look, here's a lurker, a late night (laughs) Disneyland lurker. We heard rumors about him, but we didn't know that the White Walkers exist. So yeah, I cruised through there and um, I, I just love that little trailway. Now let's keep moving on. Monstro, how you doing? Very nice. Um, maybe could use a little bit of a paint job right now, buddy, but I won't judge. <laughs> Walking past the beautiful new queue for Dumbo where yeah. now the people are behind the attraction instead of flooding the sidewalk. But man, my legs are so tired. Do you mind if we stop at the Casey Jr. platform? Absolutely. Now, this is a great little area. Yep. A lot like the Small World Mall. It's raised up two or three feet. There's picnic tables. There's canopies. You can kinda sit there and listen to the sound of Dumbo and see the Mm -hmm. kids flying around having a good time. You can also hear the train coming and going behind you. You can hear a little bit of King Arthur going around and around in circles. Like this is destination zero Mm -hmm. for Ambiance of Fantasyland. True. Now
0: I haven't really walked back there since uh, the remodel are you still able to sort of go up to that oregon i think it's behind glass or in a little room
1: now the oregon is now part of the queue it
0: is so okay. we
1: kind of have to go over and be a part of the queue but that dumbo ride cart mm-hmm. is still there where we can go up and let's hop in and get a photo taken of us right now photo op because i've never rode the dumbo you have it. i can't do circle rides
0: oh that's a big circle You could probably do that. I could see teacups being a problem, but Dumbo is not bad. I wrote it, I will say, I wrote it for the first time since I was a kid, like uh, not too long ago with some some younger people. Yeah. I think you can handle it.
1: The (laughs) circle things mess me up. But man, oh man, do I love the way that it looks. And I love that new queue. Please fix the back of the attraction. But (laughs) this raised area, the Casey Jr. platform, this was an area that was kind of on the chopping block and they decided to save it just because they need to still have these little seated areas what was something planned for that area just maybe taking it out and expanding the walkways yeah because it yeah. can get a little bottlenecky there but they kept it in and i think that the idea was well if we get all the people behind dumbo mm-hmm. it just creates that that pattern and dare i say once again a fantastic area to watch fireworks if you don't care uh, about projections yeah That's
0: right. I never thought about right there. It's right there, right behind you, pretty much. You're
1: just sitting up there, normally nobody around because all the attractions in that area. Well, the railroad's still running and the boats are still running and and maybe Dumbo's going, but the rest of Fantasyland is shut down, Mm -hmm. which in the fireworks, the nighttime shows eat up the population. If you don't care about the shows, which you should care about the shows, but if you don't care about the shows, it's a really great time to crush rides.
0: Yeah, and because that Fantasyland area at the height of the day gets so awful, that's a nice quiet spot to sit and still be close. So so when you're trying to escape your family or something, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, it's nice to just be able to be right there. You're still close to everything, but you're not in the uh, thick of it.
1: And if you want to rip a good pick, go up to the rope that keeps the two entryways Mm -hmm. of the the heart of Fantasyland closed. Take a photo of the buildings, there won't be a human standing in front of you. True. Yeah. You get a full, full look at them. All right, I feel rested. Let's walk around the edge of Frontierland. Ah. Now, this area used to be a very quiet part of yes. the park. Dark. Dark, quiet. But I used to like to sit back there. Mm-hmm. The ducks would hang out. And and it really, even though the nature noises were pumped in by a speaker, right. it very much felt like you were not in California, yeah, not in Disneyland, uh, not in Anaheim. Like it literally did feel very woodsy back there. Yeah. Dare I say, made me feel like I was back home. I love that area. Um, Now that the Galaxy's Edge is coming, that is not a quiet area anymore. That area, literally Galaxy's Edge
0: right there, right? Like that is going to change. That's the edge of the Galaxy's Edge. (laughs) That's going to change the whole dynamic of that. Section of the park. Yeah. You know, you go either in either direction and it's pretty awful. Like if you go back towards Fantasyland, it starts getting crazy right there. If you go back towards Frontierland, that's a bottleneck right there by Thunder Mountain, which might be, they might consider reconfiguring that entrance right there. But that whole section is just going to be, because that's, I'm assuming, right? That's the main entrance
1: to the land. You know, because of where galaxy's edge is being built yeah there's three entry points right the edge of critter country uh the one right when you come around the corner of big thunder mountain yeah you know doing one of those famous disneyland like jags and then the closest entry point to us right now which is at the the edge of Fantasyland, Mm -hmm. like right when you come around those restrooms on the far side of what used to be the village house right so you got those three entrances Dare I say those two entrances are pretty close together, Yes, and I could almost see one being an in and one being an out. Mm, Yeah, like a loop, because it would seem almost like you could loop right there, depending on what's on the other side, immediately on the other side. Yeah. But in those two entrances, by the way, those two entrances that are closest to us, that's going to take us into the uh, Black Spire, what is it called? Mm -hmm. Outpost. Outpost. Black Spire Outpost. Right? Right there? I don't, See, I don't have a good concept of it. I do. One that, of the rides is right there, too, isn't it? Well, So, if we go through those two tunnels, like, literally the first tunnel next to Fantasyland, yeah. if we go through that, there's a Millennium Falcon staring at okay. you. Okay. If you go through the other one, you're in the heart of the Black Spire Outpost. Okay. But So, basically, you go through any one of those two, you're, you're right in the thick of it. Now, the pathway that comes from Critter Country, uh-huh. that's going to take you sort of through a Star Wars-like park okay there's spacecraft parked everywhere right Right. you're going to kind of wind through sort of a civic like plaza area to get up to the rise of the resistance
0: i'm excited about that entrance because it loops the park there which is great it's it's nice that they open that up and it is a it is a substantial pathway i think once we're in the thick of it though that won't seem big
1: no at all it'll it'll get it'll that will be a bottleneck yeah yeah portions we haven't probably seen before yeah but that area there that that's a nice little park area but let's 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 cruise over that way okay because as we go through the rivers of america Mm -hmm. there's lots of areas to sit around and kind of sit on the side of a bench or whatever and look at the river i always love stopping looking at the river yeah and i always ask myself this question how long until my ashes are in that river. <laughs> Highly illegal. <laughs> Bet it happens every day. I'm sure it does. <laughs> it's weird to know that one day that's where I'll end up. Yes. And I just need you to sneak this vial into the park. <laughs> but when when I stand there, I I always love looking... At the the river. I I love that area. And if you follow it correctly and you keep staying on the river's edge, Mm -hmm. you will find my favorite quiet spot of all of Disneyland, Fowler's Harbor. Ah, so we're all the way around now. We've gone all the way around Rivers of
0: America, past the Petrified Tree, past the Fantasia viewing area. um, And then, I mean, yeah, the Fantasmic viewing area. And then... All The way around to what's the restaurant or harbor or something, right there? There's a restaurant that you that, that, oh, that serves the bread bowls, yeah. yeah, yeah that entries that's the entryway to this section,
1: yes. So, Followers Harbor, there's if you just got spit out of the haunted mansion, mm-hmm. there's a couple of carts of merchandise, which Walt never wanted. Just want to point that mm-hmm. out. There's just merchandise out on the sidewalk, he always wanted it to be inside the stores ah. to keep it clean and, it, and to encourage exploration. Never wanted merchandise on the walkways, yeah, but there is that little restaurant there that serves I think a lobster roll, yeah, yeah, um chowder and a bread bowl, and if you hook a right, normally where Lady Columbia is parked mm-hmm. there's this little area called Fowler's Harbor, over on the edge of the river there's some seated areas, probably the quietest. Yes. most reserved area in all of Disneyland a weird little spot that once you once you discover
0: it as you showed me uh, you're just amazed that this thing exists even. Uh, it takes you right back around to Splash Mountain. Like you see where the, uh, right after the drop, I think they
1: come circling around yeah. there. You can um, stand on that bridge and watch people literally, and they're giddy because they just did the big drop. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, you're so wet, Justin! As they come around. <laughs> Justin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you know a- anything about this area? I mean, you're the one who showed me this area and it's fantastic. Now I show everybody. I give you credit, kind Thank of. Thank you. Uh, do you know anything about this area? Like why it's the
1: name? I do. Okay. Name Named after Navy Admiral Joe Fowler. Okay. Joe Fowler was a Navy, Navy, not a Navy. He was a Navy ah. veteran, fought in both world wars. And for the Navy, he oversaw construction of gunboats and aircraft carriers. Oh. Now, Walt, they broke land. They broke ground at Disneyland. Yeah. In 1954 on July 16th, uh-huh. he said, this has got to be open 55 July 17th. Okay. And he knew that he had to get somebody in there that could make it happen. And he used Joe Fowler uh, because okay. he was a military man. He had made things for the Navy during times of war. And he had a Navy man oversee the construction of Disneyland was so good at it that he would end up working for Disney his entire life, oversaw the construction of Walt Disney World. Mm. So not only is the man a veteran of two wars, but he helped build the war on happiness
0: <laughs> interesting okay yeah i now that you say that i do remember the name from the the history of the park and stuff so okay that's why that's named that interesting
1: yeah uh what a hero i
0: wonder if that was intended for something other than i mean did it just become the sort of hidden spot because of other construction and splash mountain and all that
1: well it, it created a a parking bay for the boat mm-hmm and i'm i'm not sure exactly how that evolution came to be yeah but i love that it's there and that it it'll stay there because the columbia or the uh columbia will always need a place to go yeah and so it's a safe spot but it's such a quiet and nice pathway when i bring people from out of town and they like why are we walking to this restaurant and then yeah. we hook that corner and then i normally spin around and say this is my favorite spot of Disneyland. Yeah. When absolutely. people say, what's your favorite attraction? I go Fowler's Harbor. So what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? But I absolutely love that section. Yeah. And and to have it named after mm-hmm. such a, you know, great American that, that, you know, fought for all the values that Walt believed in. And what is interesting is that when they were building Disneyland, architects couldn't do what they wanted them to do. Hmm. Architects think in a very like mathematical way, what right. they wanted to build had never been built before. So what Walt realized he had to do is he had to take his imagineers, bring them up to California code because you know, if you're used to building sets for Hollywood, right. that's not an architecturally sound way to build things right. and it might not be there six months from now. So he took his crew Merge them with an with architects, and that's how the place got built. So not only was Fowler working on an insane deadline of exactly 365 days, but he was working with a crew of people that had never built something mm-hmm. that was something that had never been built. Right, right. So it's either
0: dry with all these rules or it's like— Facade stuff from the film. That's going to fall in the water. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's just meant to be filmed. So to hit that perfect sweet spot is is just absolutely outrageous. Uh, Do you mind if we just go across the way real quick? I I would love to just go over to the New Orleans Square Fountain. Let's do it. A beautiful fountain. I cannot figure out what its historical significance Mm. is and if it's mimicking anything really in Louisiana or New Orleans. Right. But I will say this. The reason why I love that little park so much when it's not overflow for the Haunted Mansion holiday overlay. Yeah. I love that when you hang around that fountain, you can literally have a 360 view of people all around you. Mm -hmm. And if you listen, you can hear. Yes. They're that close. Which is the telegraph. Right. Going off over at the New Orleans train station. And when you hear that sound, tell your party that you're with like. Do you hear that? Then you can let them know that that's Walt's opening day speech, right. converted over into Morris code. That's the telegraph that's going off. And by that being on a loop 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, Walt's voice is always being heard mm. inside of disneyland
0: yeah that's interesting it is it is an interesting spot right there because there is a lot again it's a very crowded section of the park and let's drop a fountain if they're not if they're not using it for the overflow it does sort of stay kind of quiet yeah popcorn's big there you got the weird churro cart there too so a lot of uh, options while you're waiting for people to get off haunted mansion or pirates yeah it's
1: a great spot Last spot I'd love to take you to. Okay. We're going to go back over to Fowler's Harbor. We're going to make that little hook. We're going to go over the bridge, and then we're going to pop out right at the edge of now two decisions. Do we want to hook a right and mm-hmm. keep going to the galaxy's edge, or do we want to go to the left and go over to Critter Country? Mm-hmm. Something interesting about the decision to take the Hungry Bear um, Hungry Bear restaurant. Yeah, I was going to say tavern, but it wouldn't be called no, tavern. No, 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 no. Take the Hungry Bear restaurant. Interesting decision to sort of like scale back the patio, create a more of a bank there for the rivers of America and let people go to the right, because that means that forever the left over where the hoot and holler hideout is, (laughs) that's forever going to be a little dead end, a little quiet cul-de-sac. Yeah. Yeah. And when you go over to Winnie the Pooh, which is a fantastic ride, Mm -hmm. often overlooked, when you go back into that little area... There's so many trees. Mm -hmm. They built that nice wall so you can't see out that makes it feel like Splash Mountain keeps going. They even planted trees on top of the buildings there to make it feel more dense and like a little forest. That's going to forever be... A little dead-end, a little quiet cul-de-sac.
0: I always thought that's where Star Wars Land was going to come around to for some reason. Like where I thought, those gates are. Yeah, I thought that was going to be our entry or just some kind of, you know, nondiscreet back
1: entrance or something like that. That is
0: an emergency exit of Disneyland.
1: Oh, it is? Yeah.
0: Have you been back there? Have you? No. Had to
1: have to exit there there? I've thought about creating the emergency so I could get to go <laughs> out the exit, but that'd be a bad strategy for my long-term yes, Disneylanding. Definitely. Again, this is a great section. The Pooh store is great. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's, a, it's got some merchandise that you can only find there. It's got the little snack shop in there, the cookies
1: and everything that's great—it's um, like a that. Not to cut you off, but that no. shop kind of has a little bit of almost everything that you could find over mm-hmm. Main Street. Yeah, all in one little store without the crowds.
0: Um, but they've got that stream there that runs along the Winnie the Pooh Oof. ride. Just love it. I have taken so many photos of the little houses and just the way that they've. It's completely man-made. Can I tell you a but story? But it looks about so that? gorgeous. I think it has something to do with raccoons. I would love to hear it. Have I already told you the story? I've
1: heard the story. Have <laughs> I told the story on the podcast?
0: <laughs> on uh, on your podcast? Oh, yes.
1: on my podcast. I heard. I think so. Yeah. Dude, this is fantastic, though. So I was there one evening with our mutual friend, Gavin, from Podcateers, mm-hmm. the a podcast where a group of buds get together and talk about Disneyland every week. Go check it out where fine podcasts are found. He and I were walking around the park, mm-hmm. and newsflash... I made him watch Fantasmic for the first time. Really? Yeah, I'm the like, first time. How have you been here hundreds of times and never watched the nighttime show? He's an attraction smasher. I'm a magic grabber. Yeah, we, we have, we're we're polar, <laughs> polar opposite that way. Yes, but we were back there, and it was a cold January night, uh, and there was you know a little bit of like rain in the air, and we we were in that area, yeah, that little creek right there where that little bitty cottage is, yes. that's animal size. There were two real raccoons hanging out <laughs> next to that. And I I didn't even pull out my phone. I didn't want to try to like get the perfect pick. Yeah. I just wanted to follow the magic. Yeah. So he and I watched those two raccoons monkey around there on the banks. They took the creek. They went through the pipe that goes underneath the man-made yeah. like walkway bridge. Right, right. We ran over to the other side. They came out, and we literally watched them like go off into another drainage ditch. We watched them the whole time that they were out. Did they have little shirts and hats on, maybe a fishing pole or anything like that? I wish they would have had like a costume on, but <laughs> I can just tell you they were two of the healthiest, chubbiest, little Disneyland raccoons that I'd ever seen. Corn dog-fed raccoons. I love, though— Seeing them in Critter Country, a magical experience. What goes to show, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the park tonight for probably my 230th time. <laughs> Every time is different. Every time is different. You never know what you're going to see. All right, let's hook back around. We've now done a loop of lots of quiet spaces. I'd like to ask people that are listening... Do you have a favorite quiet space that maybe we missed? Or did we just open up some new rest areas for you to explore? Right. Sure. You know, we could probably do a whole show on the uh, bathrooms.
0: I think that is one of the most key (laughs) rest spots. You just made me
1: think of another quiet space we didn't even get to on this first Uh version. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Notes for the next one. There's so many more trailways. I would love to one time, though, do an episode when we do these sort of like different kind of episodes. I would love to do one that is just the trailways of Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to give people that like insider's way, like these are the best routes to take during these times. I think it's
0: so great. And it's something that I've been able to do since I've been a pass holder for the past few years and where I've come for these events and... You know, I can just come into the park on my own for a few hours and eat dinner and then just hang out. Rarely do I do attractions when I'm by myself. Uh, Yeah, I've never become that guy. Yeah, yeah.
1: The single rider guy. (laughs) I I mean, single rider with friends is one thing. Yeah, Single rider for single rider. Like the guy who's just in line by himself reading a book. (laughs) I'm like, whoa, you're a legend.
0: No single rider shame at you all. You
1: love the magic more than me, and that's
0: pretty difficult. It is. It is. But to be able to spend the time without an agenda, without rushing around, to get to check out these places and enjoy these f- sections, we've been able to do it a lot together, which has been great. Uh, but it's something I wish everyone could do. And if you I can know. plan some time to just experience the park and walk through and not feel rushed by fast passes and, and reservations and, and everything else that you have to do, which... Let's admit it's difficult to do because everyone usually is on a time frame. So
1: I I would almost love to make like a a program where people could say, I'd say, okay, here's how you do Disneyland properly. Come out and stay for five days. Six days. If you got the budget. Right. Stay in the area for six days. Yeah. Do a park day off. Park day off. Because if you do back to back days in the park from open to close, you're gonna hate your life. Angry. You need some time off. That's why Downtown Disney was built to spend some downtime, but stay in the area. But I would, I could, I could literally guide people through the perfect day of California Adventure. Like, give them a map so that you don't see it all at once, and mm-hmm. it's like levels and levels of discovery. Like when I take people through there and I do a day long like um, tour, yeah, I have it all planned out where they don't even see parts of the park until I want them to see parts right. of the park. Like right. I know how to bring somebody through there to where they're actually like, whoa. This is Carsland. Mm-hmm. They don't even know That it's there yet Because I keep Talking to them And keep like Look at this over here Look at this over yeah. here They don't even see The other half of it So you do DCA on day one Then you do Disneyland On your second day At the park Then a third day Where you just Lurk And stroll mm-hmm. Like get to enjoy A locals day Of the magic Because now you've seen it all Yeah You hit some of your Favorite attractions But get to hit the park Like a local is such a different vibe Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed the show so far. Coming up in the next segment, Jared and I talk all about getting to work with Disneyland through the beautiful Wonderground Gallery. How it was a career goal that came true for both of us. How it made us feel and how we moved on from there. But before we get into that segment, I'd like to introduce you to a couple of sponsors that are making Disneyland for Designers possible today. JackPrince.com slash circle of trust is where you go to save on printing whether you're looking to make garments paper stock stickers notebooks truly the friend of the creative whatever you're trying to make you can always partner up with jackprintscom slash circle of trust always able to help the creative of all sizes figure out the perfect solution for their artistic and creative printing needs Are you paying too much to send out packages and letters? Wouldn't it be nice to have a solution that can give you the lowest rates? With SendPro Online, it's easy to save time and money no matter what you send, from packages to overnights and letters. Easily compare USPS, UPS, and FedEx rates all in one online tool. Also gain access to special USPS savings for letters and priority mail shipping. SendPro Online is only $14.99 a month And for being an Adventures in Design listener, you can get a free 30-day trial when you visit pb.com slash design. Hey, before we get into today's bonus content where we talk about a lot of the Star Wars stuff, I want to ask you this. I have a very distinct memory the first time I got hired to work for Disneyland as an artist Uh with the Wonderground Gallery. I have a very distinct first day of being like, Whoa. Going to the park by myself to do research. Yeah. I would love to know, could you share for me the first time that you were officially an artist and that you got to like either go there and celebrate it or go there and research it and kind of soak in like. I've just made it to one of my ultimate career dreams. Mhm. That's interesting. Your I mean eyes it's just watered of, up.
0: It's an ongoing thing and I think uh one of the early times it wasn't at the very beginning because at the beginning like, Wonderground was a new thing and nobody knew what it was and it, it, it didn't have any weight yet. So, it, you're in from the very beginning. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, you know, it wasn't, I didn't have anything to compare it to. I didn't know if this thing was going to be around permanently, you know, and even for the first year, it seemed like it could be a temporary space. I think it was when I started doing the Kingdom of Cute stuff when we first did the art piece. And I think initially that was actually for Wonderground for D23, another very Disney event are you uh, going to that this year I will yeah
1: oh, more on that interesting soon. interesting yeah. that you'll be there <laughs> are you going to like be doing something there I sure hope so yeah mm, interesting. Um, more on that more I'm on shocked that. I'm shocked that you'll be there I thought you would just stay in Sacramento that weekend
0: <laughs> I tried um, But that was the first time where I went and I researched it and I thought about it and I was trying to think of like, what do I love about Disneyland? Why do I like it? And it, it is hard to sort of verbalize it. So I think that was the first time where I realized, like, I'm doing this for work. Like, this is work. This is fun. This is everything. Like, I don't even think I would have dreamt this. Like it seems too indulgent to dream that you're going to go to Disneyland as part of your job, as part of to research it. You're going to write off the cost of a season pass because it's part of your work. Comes just, off my taxes every year, dog. <laughs> it just never occurred to me that that would be the situation. Um, so there have been several times, even doing stuff like this where we're doing a podcast and we're, we're going in there to look at something specifically so that we can talk about it here. I I just never thought... I think every time we did, like when we were walking in last, uh, the last time we came on, what was it, like a Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon, uh, middle of the day, uh, just be able to go in and uh, cruise around and then
1: come back and do this, uh, no stress. Uh, It's amazing. I think I said to you, how amazing is it that Mm -hmm. this is our lives? Exactly. There were two men in their (laughs) mid-40s that literally our big thing to do on a Friday is go ride Snow White's Scary Adventures twice Mm -hmm. so that all of our theories will be true when we hit record. Absolutely. And I, I feel like making Disneyland work for me Versus actually working for Disneyland is such a different like scam on life. Yes. The fact that I've made it part of my quote unquote brand and a part of who I am and part of my identity and the way that I like can make metaphors between that and the real world. Like it feels like a complete honor to be like, I love something so much that I want to make it part of my life. Mm -hmm. For me, um, I went to the park by myself on a Sunday evening. Yeah. I had to drop off some stuff. I had actually drop off prints that I had done that were non Disney related. But I'd got the green flag or the the checkered flag or I got a flag. I got Mm -hmm. a I got permission that I was going to be doing something for the park, and and they they wanted to see some sketches. So I went there and I sat on the steps of the Main Street train station, Uh and I just like sketched. Yeah, and I just drew. Were people watching? Did did it attract? uh, It was like a really perfect. Sunday evening where there wasn't a lot of people around. That's better. And I was kind of more on my own Mm headspace but it's weird like if I went there like if you just go there and you're doing something on your own you feel weird but knowing that it was for them it felt official Mm -hmm. and it felt justifiable and I got to do something that I never got to do with my previous life so when I was in a band we came really really close to signing a major label Yeah, and unfortunately they went with another band and that band fell flat on their face. Good. Um, but we were really, really close. And, um, but there was this thing that I wanted to do. And there's a horrible band, horrible band, Collective Soul. But they have a really, really great song that the guy wrote about signing the, the record deal. Uh huh. And um, it's, it, it's basically about they signed the record deal. I think maybe he went to the top of the World Trade Center or the Empire State Building. and He looked out over New New York and it was literally like my dream just happened. So what's next? Mm -hmm. And um, I will put the song in the notes below. But the lyrics are so powerful. And when I found out that that's what that song was about, I always said to myself, I'm going to listen to this song if I ever sign the deal. And I will know what he was feeling. Yeah. And it never worked out for me. So I actually put on my headphones and I listened to that song and I walked through Disneyland and I knew that this was the last chapter in my career as a commercial artist. Mm. I knew that I would do a little bit of work for them and then I can't be that guy and podcast guy at the same time. Right. And I right. know that this is where I'm supposed to be. Um so it was kind of like I knew I was writing the last chapter and a very important part of my life story.
0: That's really interesting to me. I've heard you tell this story before and I know that that is the situation. Did it happen that the timing was right? That, That this opportunity came up as you were making this decision? Had this not come up at that time, would you still
1: be doing design or would you have left design and just done podcasting? I literally told my wife, said as soon as the subscription model of the circle of trust gets up off the ground right I've got to stop doing design because design is only holding back the podcast right and I can't like half make money off of design and half make money off the podcast because I won't ever fully be good at either one right? and one will always eat up the other and so I had made the decision that I wanted to be full time I mean I'm not a full time podcaster I like to think of myself as a full time content creator yes and the podcast is one of the things that I want to do um so I literally had made that decision and I had been printing and I was hot and sweaty. And I literally came into the house from my print shop and I sat down in, you know, the dad's chair. Right. And uh, I got an email and it was the Wonderground Gallery saying, We have a project. Would you like to work for us? Hmm. And I looked over at Beth and I go, I've got one more project to do <laughs> and it's this one. Wow. And so I saw that out. And um, it about killed me trying to do both at the same time. Yeah. And unfortunately to the Disney Corporation, I was not a very good employee because <laughs> I was trying to do that on top of also it was a very crucial moment and getting the podcast. Right. Like really materialized and, and self-running. So it was very hard to do both at once. And it was. Lots of late nights, lots of working 24 hours, lots of giving up weekends. Yeah. And there was literally a moment where I was done with my first project and I thought that I deleted it. And I sat at my mm. desk and I cried for half an hour. Yeah.
0: I. Uh, yeah. We've all been there, I think.
1: And there was also a night, several nights where I would have worked all day on the podcast. And I would go sit at my desk and I'd be so tired. And all I wanted to do was go spend time with my wife and enjoy my dog and sit in my living room and watch the cable that I pay money for. And I would literally hear out the window, boom, 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 boom. And I would listen to the fireworks Mm. every night at 930. And I said, Mickey doesn't give up. (laughs) bricky doesn't give up and i would keep working for another three or four hours into the night catching that second wind trying to get that work done
0: a little bit more on this did did you see that uh as a crossroads Uh, like say the prints that you did it just went nuts that you could not that they're begging you to do more things continue to do
1: more things it's going to blow up and stuff would that have changed the situation at that like point? Like if I get into a situation like you where I'm like full-time Disneyland freelancer? Well, I didn't want to say it like that. But yes. Yes. Would there, would there have been a If I would have not been a loser that? and I would have been a success <laughs> like my friend Jared. Well,
0: is there a ma, version of that yeah, Perfect. Uh, is, is there, there a other, version of that story, though, where you do keep going in design?
1: I mean, maybe. Okay. Because you never turn away a success because yeah. they're so hard to find. Right. An alternate reality would have been if the Disneyland stuff would have crushed, I would have seriously taken my Disneyland revenue and hired people to produce the podcast. Wow, I see. So I could be both. Right. So right. I would just be illustrating and working for Disneyland, doing the talking, taking my Disneyland paycheck and paying somebody to edit and produce my show. See, that's smart. That's why your business and I would have looked at it as a either or. No, you never ever turn away a success, right. And the reason why my life has been in these buckets of guy and band, guy working in the music industry, poster designer, illustrator, mm-hmm. now content creator, like running my own brand in the middle there, yeah, is that i I know the synergy of success, yeah, and when I make one thing that feels more successful than the last, I never ever hesitate to embrace that and to lean into it. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of why I like Walt Disney so much is because so many other people would have stopped at animation studio or stopped at feature film. Like so many people would have never like literally mortgaged their home, Mm -hmm. sold their vacation home, take money out of their savings account to launch Disneyland. Like Disneyland was made on a gamble
0: yeah, and that's
1: why I love it. And that's visionary. Like Mm -hmm. that's something
0: where I can feel, I can sense myself. I don't have that. I would work for someone like. I'm a cowboy,
1: dog. (laughs) I'm a. I am a cowboy, right? Like, fun fact about me: this is how little I respect my body. (laughs) I have a 50 cent quote tattooed across my chest. Mm -hmm. It literally says on my chest: "Get rich or die trying," Mm -hmm. because that is the mindset that I'm on. And to me, the get rich isn't like. I mean, it's partially money, but it's also life experience. Yeah. You know, like for sure, I want to wind it on down with ashes in the rivers of America saying I left nothing on the table. Right. And thus far, I'm 44 years into gambling and there's nothing on the table that I haven't hit at. So
0: uh, to wrap up that story, though, once you uh, finished design, did your Disney thing and devoted full time to content creation. Did that feel right? Oh, it's never
1: felt more right. Yeah. Like there's been so many moments where I'm by myself in a town that, you know, in, in, in LA going someplace weird. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's riding the elevator up to the top of Walt Disney studios. Maybe it's driving through the hills of San Francisco. There's been so many moments where I'm off to do an interview and I just get like choked up and get tears in my eyes because I know what I do entertains and goes out to so many people. And I kind of have this romantic notion of like, I'm alone in the world doing this thing yeah. that I will go back and share to thousands of people all around the globe. Right. And sometimes it just feels bigger than me and that I'm just the vessel that is kind of letting it all pass through me. Mm-hmm. And I often think about, you know, I've had one guest that's died on, on, that's been on the show mm. and her story, a part of her story is forever captured Right. In my audio. And as time goes on, it's just the odds that if you interview 500 people, some of them will pass away. Right. But their story in that moment in time will forever be preserved in the M4A format. Yeah. And that's a huge honor to like literally think that my work is capturing a moment in time from so many different angles and what were the threads that tied these people together and what was the tent poles that made them stand out from each other. Yeah. Like that's an amazing thing to have the conversation that I had with Shepard Ferry about when he and his family mm-hmm. met president Obama right. on the day that we all found out that Donald Trump was the 45th president of the United States. Mm-hmm. That's an, amazing. Magic, magic story to have caught on, on on recorded. I was going to say on tape, but that makes me sound incredibly old. <laughs> that, to have that caught on sand disc. Yeah. <laughs> but to also know enough about Shepard Ferry to mm-hmm. have him tell that story to me like a peer and not like a fan.
0: You're right. Right. For That's sure. what
1: I think has made this voyage different. I am a creative that interviews the president of ABC as a fellow creative, not yeah. as a fan. Exactly. Now, did this feel...
0: I know we're way off subject here. We this are is so off the tangent. <laughs> did this feel... What you feel with this, with what you've done with content creation, podcasting, and all of these interviews, did it feel different than the height of what you were doing in your other lives with this the band? This is the greatest
1: height I've ever had. It is. Yeah. The band felt great. Mm-hmm. Going out into a room of 1,500 people, or dare I say, 10,000 people, mm-hmm. that feels really, really great. But this is so much more independence and it's so much more reliant on being me. Right. And that's a really great feeling when you've somehow managed to finagle away where the world pays you to be you. Yeah. And you're not a celebrity. That's right. It's a wild way to live your life. Mm -hmm. Completely rewarding. And to bring it back around, I have literally used Disneyland since I first went there in 2011, I have used Disneyland as a an escapism, mm-hmm. as a metaphor, as a symbol, as just this living, breathing thing that always recharges my batteries as mm-hmm. a creative. When I'm feeling down and out, and it has been a rocky and rough road that I've been on the last couple of years to do something I've never seen anybody else do before, right. that place always recharges my spirit. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've I've been fortunate through you to meet some Disney people. Mm -hmm. Some architects, right, some engineers, (laughs) some people that make the magic, some lifetime Club 33 members. Right. And a lot of people are like, oh, are you gonna put these people on the podcast? And I go, no man, this is for me. Yeah. This goes in my back pocket. Right. And these people (laughs) Allow me to know more about what I love Mm -hmm. and the conversations that we have are off the record and don't show up here. It does inform me, but it doesn't show up here. And I guess the point is that like there's so many people that work for Disney at all different levels that Mm -hmm. are not allowed to talk about Disney. Absolutely that I want to be one of the beating drums that tells that story. Mm -hmm. Now there's other blogs and vlogs and podcasts that tell it from a very fan's perspective. My goal with you and the reason why I think we're a match made in heaven is we talk about the passion of the park. Yes. And a lot of that is created through the design, through the, the painstaking process to get every bit of it right. Yes. You have to be an artist to understand that journey. And because we are, We can appreciate it for all of its glory. I think it's a good marriage of uh, step into the
0: magic. (laughs) (laughs) Like (laughs) I am just as (laughs) much about the commerce of it uh, as I am the aesthetic.
1: I have no shame in them making money. Absolutely. Raise ticket prices. I get it. Mm -hmm. Charge a lot when people are inside the berm. I get it. Yeah. I understand. The whole thing was like, Walt justified it to his wife saying, look, we're going to get a 15% royalty on everything that has my name (laughs) on it, which by the way, is
0: everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, like it, it's the ultimate rags to riches, Mm -hmm. build a legacy. I mean, the man literally built a global icon. Yes. Every human being, other than some indigenous people, every person that's living in a civilized society on planet earth, knows what Disneyland mm-hmm. is.
0: Right, right. I, yeah, no, I, I. exactly. That is exactly it. Uh, the, the scope of it, fascinating, inspiring, all the way around, from, from the creative, like I said, to the commerce side of it, to the visionary. I, I always think if we had 10 more years of him, what would have become? Would it have been all wrapped up in Epcot and this idea of, a, of city planning? Or would we have seen just more incredible stuff?
1: The man laid on his deathbed. Trying to give Roy right. the vision of
0: Epcot. Mm-hmm.
1: He literally was taking his last breath that I just couldn't get that. out. Very dramatic. <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> trying to convey right. what he wanted to happen. Instead, the world got a food court. But <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing that I really try to take away from Disneyland and why it, I, I feel like I'm such a student of it. Through the podcast, Mm -hmm. I try to make people laugh. I try to make everything that we do to be incredibly entertaining, whether it's sad, whether it's funny, whether it's a good story. I try to make it be incredibly entertaining, but always have that sort of silver lining of education. Mm -hmm. If it checks those two things, it's a good time to hit record. But the thing that I'm really about is creative empowerment. Mm -hmm. Whatever you're doing, make sure you do a little bit of it for yourself. And the analogy I always love to use is make sure you're building a castle in your own kingdom and that's what walt did a lot of creatives get stuck building a castle for somebody else and i'm embracing the idea that the aid network it's rough around the edges it's far from being perfect but this is my own disneyland and i think of it as such and i try to build it as such
0: that's pretty perfect that's probably a good spot to close up this part because i think that wraps it up Perfectly there,
1: step into the magic <laughs> dun, 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 dun. all right, only Disneyland would make me love Al city. <laughs> Do you want to talk about some of the Star Wars stuff? I'd love to. Okay, let's do that. Let's get into the Star Wars stuff. Let's get into the, the circle of trust bonus content. What a weird little uh emotional path we went down there. I
0: think that speaks a lot about why we're doing this, though. Oh. I think that that more than anything else we've said so far, it probably explains what this project is about.
1: And I hope that I hope that people are on that voyage and they get that this there's so much Disney content. Yeah. For me to do it on YouTube and through podcasting, I want to have a different angle. So, like, one of the things that I did while we're recording this is this was the week that all the news broke. Yes. About Michael Cohen? No. About Disneyland and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. All the news broke this week. Right. Tons and tons of stuff came out to us. And instead of being another guy showing you all the drinks, all of the toys, all of the costumes... I kind of had a different read on the week. Mm -hmm. My hot take was this. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to the free version of today's episode. Coming up in a circle of trust bonus content. We've got over 25 more minutes where Jared and I look at galaxy's edge, black spire outpost. There's been a lot of news that's broke about this new immersive land. And we look at the design of it, the heart of it. How far is it away from the 1955 principles that Disneyland was built and founded on. I know there's a lot of new technology, a lot of new places, a lot of new stories being told, but the more that I look, the more that I dig deeper, the more this new story starts to sound oddly very familiar in all of the best Disneyland ways. That's coming up in part two for members of the Circle of Trust. Sign up today at AID.network to get the bonus content and to open up the archives to hear all of the episodes, all of the interviews that I've done, where people just simply break down with me in a great conversation about how they're able to break down their daydream and turn it into their day job. Sign up at AID.network to hear the second part of today's show, where we're going to start right now and get all into the details of the Galaxy's Edge through the perspective of the designer. And admittedly, two designers that love how the magic of Disneyland is designed. Let's jump in and go back to the park right now for members of the circle of trust. Thank you. The black Spire outpost is the third major attraction that we're getting. And I'll explain it to you this way. It's the next or the new or part two of new Orleans square. Mm -hmm.